Drop that beat. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Wednesday, March 3rd. Fun 10 gamer here. I am Josh Engelman and I am joined by Rinpak. Rinpak, I haven't done a show with you in forever. Been manning the Slate Starter podcast for this entire NBA season. So we have not crossed paths in a hot minute. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Excited to be on this for this 10 game behemoth slate. Uh, tons and tons of NBA action throughout the day. It's been a while. Last time we were on was the NBA Finals. So excited to be back on with you to talk about this 10-game slate on the strategy show. I know. We were going through all of those showdown slates for uh, for most of the late bubble action, and now we are back once again to just dominate a show together. So, guys, hit that like button as you get in the door. You guys did a fantastic job of that on the process show this morning, and you should be hitting the like button on that slate starter pod as well. Don't forget that. Got to hit those thumbs up clear across the board on the Osimo channel. Subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. You guys know the drill there. And shout out to No House Advantage for being the presenting sponsor of this show. We will touch on No House Advantage in a little bit. Let's start here, though. Uh, anything good for you last night? Uh, Kawhi Leonard got late scratch, so that was the opposite of good for me, especially okay. on DraftKings. But uh, Super Draft went well. I ended up uh, being able to come first over there somehow, some way, to really save my night. Excellent. But outside, but outside of that, I'll... I'll take uh, I'll take that, especially when Kawhi Leonard really took a dump on most of my night. I was not. I'll be honest with you. I was not mad to see that he got late scratched. Uh, I didn't. I was under the field, so at that point in time, I said, you know, screw it. But it didn't really make much of a difference to me. I got my clock cleaned again for the, I don't know, like twentieth straight day. It feels like February has not been. Well, February wasn't really kind to me. January was very kind to me. So I want to go back to January. Let's turn March into January. Make I do think March there, great again. I do think there was a key decision point where I probably did the wrong decision, obviously, looking back at it. I went Burks and Giannis instead of quickly and Jokic in a lot of spots, which yeah. I ended up costing me quite a bit. It was a difference north of like 50 fantasy points. So uh, that was a key decision point, but it is what it is. On to today we go. Cheers to you. I had Giannis aggressively came in a little bit lower on that Jokic exposure, had more Burks than quickly. So it sounds like you and I were on the same path, which was the path to, I guess, nowhere, unfortunately. Yeah, it sucked. That was the wrong movie. Too. All right. So we have a ton of games to get through. Uh, and as much as I love just talking randomly about the slate, I don't know if we have that kind of time. So I'm ready to dive in if you are. Let's do it. It's a huge All slate. Right. First game up, Indiana Pacers, Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavs are five-and-a-half-point dogs at home, 216 total. Torian Prince, questionable for the Cavs. Last time I saw that he was questionable, I immediately thought, I wonder how that affects Brooklyn's rotation. So I'm still not even picturing him on the Cavs. Jeremy Lamb and Doug McDermott, also questionable for Indiana. We will start on the Pacers side. Uh, Sabonis, Justin Holiday, McBuckets, actually, all in the teens in projected ownership on FanDuel, only Miles Turner in double digits on DraftKings. What stands out to you from the Indiana Pacers? So it's this game really isn't that exciting. It's a, such a huge slate to me. But I like targeting um, guys, especially in the mid-tier. Uh, 
guys like Alan and uh, Colin Sexton have been very impressive, especially uh, Alan since he's been in Cleveland. Colin Sexton's been pretty revelation in my opinion. Guy who I was not very high on uh, coming out of school out of Alabama, but has been very good. So I think that's one thing to uh, keep in mind of. Other guys uh, on the Indiana side of things, Sabonis is always going to be in consideration just because we know yeah. what that ceiling can be like. So I like Sabonis and Brogdon on that side of things, but it really rounds it up. Uh, I think Justin Holiday's a viable small forward option just because we have to roster two and find some value somewhere. But on, outside of that, not really looking at any other guys. There's going to be some low-end options that can spike an upside in this ceiling, but looking forward to some other games uh, on this 10-game slate. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I don't see anybody that stands out as like super essential. 9,200 for Sabonis on FanDuel would be the price tag I'm seeing from Indiana that I really want to get to. And then on the Cleveland side, the highest owned player on Cleveland on either FanDuel or DraftKings is Colin Sexton at 6.7%. There's just no ownership coming into Cleveland. It's not a great spot going against Indiana, super low total. So to me, I don't, I don't see anything from Cleveland as anything other than just contrarian plays, ways to get different and larger field stuff. Indiana and Cleveland just doesn't look all that exciting. I completely agree with you. Well, since we have 10 games, we should not belabor the point. We can just keep this one moving. We'll move on to Utah and Philly. We know what we're getting out of Utah, a similar rotation, no, no news there. But for Philly, we are waiting on Tobias Harris news. He is questionable. He's been out the past two games. For right now, Philly, three-and-a-half-point dogs at home against Utah, which is kind of wild. We'll start on the Utah side. Only Donovan Mitchell in double digits in projected ownership on either FanDuel or DK. I think Utah looks like probably my least favorite team on the slate, but I'm curious if you're seeing it a little bit differently. Yeah, I kind of uh, see it similar to you. Uh, this Utah team has been obviously amazing all year. Question for you, how for real is this Utah team in your opinion? Obviously, health and safety protocols have gone as purely as they could have for this team, but is this team for real? I like a conference finals-esque team. So it's an it's a tricky spot for Indiana, or yeah, for Indiana, for Utah. So I was still in that last game. They're clearly a really good team. And with them bringing back so many minutes, I mean, this team is pretty comfortable playing together at this point. So the continuity, I think, is there. Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach. And I think they're really set up well for regular season basketball, Rudy Gobert in particular. I think they look a little bit different in the playoffs, maybe not the same sort of ceiling that you see for what they're running through in the regular season. But the biggest piece to me for Utah will be seeding. If they do get the one seed, uh, their biggest benefit will be if the Lakers and Clippers finish second and third. That way they'll have to knock each other out first. I think that gives Utah a better outlook moving forward. If they still have to get through the Lakers and the Clippers, then I don't think that they're all that likely to make it through. And, you know, I, you know, Western Conference Finals, I think, is viable if they are the one seed. But after that, I'm not so confident that they're, they should be ahead of the Lakers or Clippers. But I'm rooting for them. I like the team. Yeah, I'm a big Quinn Snyder fan, obviously. Just like the roster, uh, they were the team that brought up, had pretty much minimal roster turnover, which really helps, like you said. Yeah. We'll see. I, I do think the Clippers are as legit of a team out there in the West and probably the best team, all, all things put together. I think the team is underrated uh, in the public's perspective after last year's collapse. But uh, on the DFS side of things, I'm always whenever these two teams uh, match up, I always buy into the Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell narrative. Obviously, the rookie of the year stuff. I'm 
Uh, ben Simmons has played well against Utah. Obviously, last time he put up 72 fantasy points. Keep in mind, Embiid missed that game. Yeah. But he has put up, he has played well against this Utah matchup throughout his career. I don't know if he plays with a chip on his shoulder to show Donovan Mitchell up, but sometimes I do buy into that. Uh, Simmons at, at elevated price tag is going to come in very, very low owned. Uh, somewhere, if you want to take a couple of darts at GPPs, might be an option. But Maybe Gobert on um, DK, his price is still a little bit low, uh, but yeah. there, the opportunity cost is kind of um, quite a bit. Uh, there's guys like Cat and Embiid on this slate where going down to Gobert, where I think you can uh, kind of like expect him to get high 30s and in between high 30s and low, uh, mid 40s, but you really want on a slate like this, your center spot to get somewhere in the 60 point range, in my opinion. <sighs> these guys are just priced so efficiently with nobody out. It's really difficult to want to prioritize anything from Utah on the Philly side, um, Embiid and on FanDuel, Tobias Harris, picking up a little bit of ownership. If Tobias Harris plays, how do you feel about Philly? If he's out, does that change anything for your outlook? Uh, so we've seen when he's been out, it's kind of been shake Milton who has picked up some extra shots, some extra ball handling doing obviously last game blew out got some extended run in the game that went to overtime against Cleveland. So that's uh, one guy I've been kind of targeting. He's kind of paid off maybe at 4,200 on FanDuel, a spot where you can kind of pay down your roster construction will be a, a tad unique, but if Tobias Harris goes kind of suppresses everything for me. And Doc Rivers did say Joel Embiid's ankle is very sore. They really want to get that one seed in the East. That's why Embiid is going out there and playing. I don't know if it's that necessary uh, for, for Philly in my opinion, but I think uh, they just need a limit and bead, especially heading into the all-star break, in my opinion. Yeah, this is another spot where I'm just not all that interested in anything coming from this game. Now, if you get to Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, Harris, Mitchell, Gobert, the true top-end guys, I'm never going to talk anybody out of that sort of stuff just because they have they're, – they're different levels of players, Embiid, Simmons, Gobert in particular. If, you know, if Gobert goes on a block party, you need to be around for that. But I don't see anybody that I would say is a priority. I don't see anybody that is likely to be um, – heavily featured in cash games and i think that's probably the easiest way to talk about it in terms of just core plays ignoring public ownership i don't see anybody in philly and utah that you would be thinking about these guys are must-haves in cash i agree with you and like monitor the Embiid situation we yeah. dealt with like kind of a doc rivers disaster last time out went from very questionable to playing to putting up 50 fantasy points so we know doc rivers is kind of a questionable coach when it comes to this injury situation especially this year so that could really change the slate uh, real fast. So monitor that situation. I know Embiid has not been ruled, doesn't have an injury des designation right now, if I'm not mistaken. Anything else for Philly and Utah? Uh, no, uh, I think we should hop on over to the next game. Before we do that, I do want to hit on a super chat from Andrew Kang. He said, what's up, guys? Do you guys ever take a few days off or do you grind every day? I've gotten crushed the past two days. Bankroll's fine, but, it, but it's demoralizing. I take days off all the time. Um, uh, generally speaking, on the weekend, it gives me a little bit of time to spend with the wife so she doesn't kill me for only playing uh, DFS basketball every single day. And usually I need it. Uh, the con content grind is real, too. You ever taken any days off at this point? Uh, I took a couple of days off. Uh, I was out of town in a state where it was not a lot to be played. So that forced me to take some days off, especially with the All-Star break coming up. It'll be a nice uh, break. It's been It's yeah. felt like a nonstop. NFL season so that's been the issue yeah uh, 
I'm ready for this all-star break. Just get a couple days of not having to think about late swaps and rotations at the end of the day, just reset the batteries, but I'm excited for the all-star break. I love playing NBA DFS. It's by far my favorite DFS sport. Uh, I prefer watching basketball to any other sport. So um, I try not to take off too much time, but I basically never play on a Saturday. That is my day off of content. And that's just a day where you know I do all of the things that I don't get a chance to do Monday through Friday. So yeah, take days off if it's driving you crazy for sure. Pistons and Raptors, we got a lot to talk about for this one. So the Pistons are seven and a half point dogs in Toronto. Toronto missing basically two thirds of everybody relevant on this team. No Fred Van Vliet, no G, no OG Ananobi, no Pascal Siakam. On the Pistons side, Jeremy Grant is questionable. No ownership is coming in on Detroit. Jeremy Grant is at 12% on FanDuel if he plays. Next highest number is going to be 7%. So let's try to knock out the Pistons first. Do you see anything on the Pistons that you like if Jeremy Grant plays? And if he is then out, are we opening up even more value on the Detroit side? I think so. I think Jeremy Grant has pretty much uh, gone on, under the radar. He's playing on a pretty shitty team. Obviously, filling up the stat sheet in various ways. Uh, you could have made a case he could have been a bottom-bottom tier all-star in some situations, but uh, just putting up empty stats more or less. Jeremy Grant, if he plays, I'll definitely have some interest in him just because we know what that ceiling can be like against this depleted Toronto team. Their defense really doesn't worry me. I think Jeremy Grant makes her a fine option if he plays. Now, if he were to be out, I think going to guys like Sadiq Bey, uh, even uh, Dennis Smith Jr. becomes more viable options, even Mason Plumley potentially. But it's going to be some important news if he were to be out. I think going to some of those Detroit guys might pay off, but the real thing, the real values on the other side of things, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I, I see Detroit as mostly similar to that first game we mentioned, contrarian options. Josh Jackson on FanDuel at 5,600 is a guy that I'd be interested in. Honestly, I would be willing to spin my tires on Dennis Smith Jr. at 4,900 on DK if Jeremy Grant is out. If Jeremy Grant is in, it's mostly just Jeremy Grant. Now on the Toronto side, that's when things get squirrely. Chris Boucher, Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, Terrence Davis, all 25 to 35% owned on FanDuel. Similar ownership coming into these guys on DraftKings, but we're also seeing DeAndre Bembry get a little bit of love, Yuta Watanabe getting a little bit of love. I'm just going to throw it straight to you because there's too many things going on. Again, no Van Vliet, no OG Ananobi, and no Pascal Siakam. What do you like the most from Toronto? How many guys do you expect to have in each lineup? Are we looking at three or four Raptors in cash games? This is a crazy one. Toronto is unavoidable today. I completely agree with you. Unavoidable. It'll be tough for, to see lineups without a Raptor in them. Uh, we got Davis, we have Bembry, we have Boucher, and we got Lowry. Obviously, in terms of like point per dollar value, I think that's how it lines up for Alex's projections right now, going Davis, Bembry, Boucher, and Lowry. But my favorite play, all things put together with an upside and kind of where ownership's coming in at might be Chris Boucher. If this guy can avoid foul trouble, I'm going to expect him to play low 30 minutes to mid 30 minutes. And his upside is through the roof. He's put up 50 fantasy points earlier this year. And I think we can definitely ride him. And I expect this ownership to rise throughout the day. And now I don't know what the threshold is where we need to back off a little bit, especially on a 10 game slate. There are going to be other roster bills that pay off. That's my only consider. Uh, my concern is what is the ownership threshold that we need to be concerned? What's your consideration there? Yeah, uh, so it's going to depend on a, a couple different guys. Like Boucher is picking up a ton of ownership, but at 6,600 at power forward on FanDuel, 
or even 6,400 on DraftKings, I don't really have much of an issue in his ownership. Kyle Lowry's ownership makes me a little bit nervous on FanDuel in particular at 29%. The point guard spot is absolutely loaded, at least on FanDuel. If we're just talking about point guards today, and I want to make sure that I don't miss anybody, but we've got Fox, who looks incredible, Luca, Lillard, LaMelo Ball, Dennis Schroeder, who we're going to get to, no LeBron tonight, Curry. We have Kyle Lowry in this situation, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving. That's everybody 8K or above. I didn't even mention Ben Simmons or John Wall, Lonzo Ball, Mike Conley. There are so many point guards to roster. I can't imagine wanting to get chalky on just Kyle Lowry. I understand that he's going to get a significantly increased role. I am projecting him better, but he would be the first guy that I would try to slide away from a little bit in this spot. Uh, I'd be more likely to get to Norm Powell, who I think is just going to gun the entire time that he's out there. The real guys that we need to talk about are the weird ones, like DeAndre Bembry picking up ownership. Terrence Davis is projected for 32% ownership on FanDuel and 39% ownership on DraftKings, where he is the flat minimum on FanDuel, 3,400 on DK. Getting those guys right, the Bembry, Terrence Davis, Watanabe stuff, that's the part that scares me the most. I think I'll be a little bit lighter on uh, Terrence Davis, maybe a little bit heavier on DeAndre Bembry. Are you, how are you feeling about these also rands for Toronto? So they're going to, these guys are going to, some of them are going to be good to say I have any confidence in which one I I've always been a Terrence Davis fan. Uh, the guy showed out in the summer league, he picked up a contract after his first game, uh, which was really impressive there. But now if you were to start, I'll definitely have some interest. I think, the best way to go for it is just riding with the starters, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think we can then all expect those guys, barring any foul trouble, to play at least a low 30 minutes, if not higher. And just kind of like, all right, if the bench guys have any significant ownership, that's maybe kind of dodging a bullet in that way. That's my initial take on things. Now, things can definitely change if, for some reason, if this game gets canceled and we don't have to worry about it, that could definitely be on the table. But I think going Bembry, uh, probably... Some guy, a guy who has shown an upside in his career in the past hasn't obviously needed to show that you know, playing a guy, uh, alongside guys like Siakam, Lowry, and Van Vliet. But Bembry and Davis, probably the first two guys I consider. Now, if Watanabe starts, I'll have some interest in Watanabe then. Yeah, we'll have – I mean, basically whoever is in the starting lineup is going to have more interest do you have than a, Do you have a guess now. on the starting lineup? I was thinking Lowry, Davis, Powell – Bembry Boucher, that's kind of too small then, or maybe. So I think that Lowry and Powell are obviously just going to be in the starting lineup. I assume it's Chris Boucher. It could just as easily be, like, they could be really weird and have it be Boucher and Aaron Baines. I don't think that that is all that crazy for this particular spot. Lowry and Powell for sure. I think DeAndre Bembry is probably the third most likely starter just because of his ability to defend up and down the positional spectrum. He kind of fits no matter who else the other two guys are. He's, he's kind of malleable in that way. So to me, it's Boucher, Lowry, Powell, Bembry are my four locks. And I think that fifth guy can really go a couple different directions. On If it were a different matchup, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Stanley Johnson from a defensive standpoint. I don't get the sense that it's going to be Stanley Johnson against Detroit. So I'm guessing it's just simple and it's Terrence Davis. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Another thing to keep in mind, these guys still have 10 bodies, active bodies on this team. Right. They recall Jalen Harris. It's not like a completely depleted team where they only have eight available bodies or seven available bodies. They have 10 available bodies. So it could go, uh, they, it could burn us. Just like any other night, 
it, it could burn us. So keep that in mind. Don't get, don't fall in love too much, but right now on paper, they look like very good plays. Yeah. We're, we're going to see, I'd say what's the over for right now. If, if, if lock was in five minutes over under on cash plays from Toronto, two and a half. Seems I think about I, right. I, in terms of cash, I'd, yeah, I'm, I'd be willing to go over just because of cash sure. and like, I'd feel confident with the floor they provide me and potentially yep. there's a ceiling as well. I think you could get to potentially four as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I would be shocked to see a cash lineup with Toronto with less than two guys in it. It's got two at a minimum. Mm-hmm. There's just too many free minutes here. Do you have a favorite play from Toronto today? Uh, I, I'm a big Chris Boucher stand. I know the guy is kind of a liability on defense, but I just love the way he plays. He's a unique type of player. Some guy, uh, guy who's been very impressive. So I, I like Boucher. Uh, probably my favorite play. I think Boucher looks the best on FanDuel relative to the rest of the team. And then on DraftKings, I actually prefer Norm Powell to Boucher. Uh, the price tag just a little bit more favorable for me. And the positional setup, shooting guard, small forward, always helpful on DK. Any final thoughts on Toronto and Detroit? Yeah, this is a very important game on the slate. So monitor the news, especially starting lineups. Pat Osma and be able to have the starting lineup. So definitely monitor the news. It will be a key guy to the slate, in my opinion. And we will have plenty of news coming up in the future today. Plenty of shows to go around. Perfect opportunity to tell you guys about the entire schedule for today. So at 3 p.m. Eastern time, NHL strategy show, Cliffy and Josh Harris breaking down the game on the ice. I know nothing about hockey other than knowing that we do have an NHL strategy show at 3. Tip-off show, Kayla, Ben, and Spags, 4 p.m. Getting ourselves started bright and early at 4 p.m. 1 o'clock on the West Coast. Spags is just getting into this uh, lunchtime coverage. 4.45, NBA Deeper Dive, Eric and Adam, ship my money, breaking it all down. They'll go for an hour and 15 minutes on this 10-gamer. Then live before lock at 6, myself, I'll be back. Greg Ehrenberg, we're going to break it down for a full hour plus an extra half hour. Then we go to PGA Live Before Lock at 7.45. Ben Raza, Jason Roslin breaking down the Arnold Palmer. And then we're still not done. 9 p.m., the final show of the night, Spags and Greg, the late live before lock show. We just, we're, we're, a new, we're a sports news channel now, man. Yeah, we're a TV network. The Osmo TV network is pretty much around the clock. We have north of 12 hours of content for you guys to make informed decisions on your DFS day. So make sure to tune in. Got to hit uh, one more super chat from Grade A Flicks. Hey guys, keep up the great work. Place second in a 10K single entry and top 50 in 100K. Won $647 along with tons of satellite tickets. Keep up the great work. LeBron at the end got it for me. Arden from Yonkers. Congrats, man. Awesome. Always yeah, good Satellite to tickets are awesome. So they're kind of been a key reason why I've been able to have some success in DFS is those satellite tickets. I found a way to pick those up along the way and they let, give you an opportunity to play some contests that you usually can't in your bankroll all the time. So awesome keep up the all right let's work. keep it moving on to game number four brooklyn at the houston rockets this one should be a fun one so brooklyn at seven and a half point dogs in houston 226 total uh brooklyn we are going to be waiting on news although i'm not expecting to see either jeff green or tlc both doubtful right now um at least last i saw for the houston side eric gordon and daniel house questionable I didn't know what happened. I was watching that Houston game when Daniel House got hurt. His whole leg just fully locked up. I've never seen anything like that before. He took like a knee to the calf on a screen. Never saw that, but it was just full on straight. And he looked unhappy and in pain. Maybe it's just a bruise. Who knows? 
We will start on the Brooklyn side. Lots of ownership coming in here, and I'm curious for it. James Harden has been absolutely incredible as of late. 1.48 FanDuel points per minute over the last 30 days. He is picking up quite a bit of ownership at the shooting guard spot on FanDuel. And similarly on DraftKings, we see Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris all getting into around 10% range on FanDuel. Not too much ownership, though, coming in on DraftKings. Start with Harden. How do you feel about him as a payoff option today? And do you see anything else on Brooklyn that stands out to you? Yeah, it's James Harden going back to Houston at Houston. All things check off. A nice um, little remember me game, revenge game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I am excited to see what James Harden is going to do to this former team. I think um, what he put up last night, last time against San Antonio could definitely happen again. He put up 80 uh, last time against San Antonio. I think he might want to stick it to Houston. Who knows? He had a great, uh, great tenure there. He made them relevant. I, I think um, Houston, I think a lot of the, he probably will go down kind of underappreciated and he brought them into rel- relevance after the trade from OKC, but I like Harden quite a bit. Uh, I think it's going to be a great spend up option in my opinion. Other guys to consider, I think DeAndre Jordan, $5,700. He's playing, uh, played 35 minutes. Granted, the game did go to o- OT last time, but I think you can expect him to play around 30 minutes with no Jeff Green. I like that price. I kind of a mid, um, mid-tier center option. Nicholas Claxton really um, brought it home for someone last time who took down the GPP. Now, that was a super efficient performance in 17 minutes, put up 30 fantasy points. Yeah. He's actually coming in with some ownership. I don't think that will happen again. Uh, I will not have any interest in going there. The opportunity cost at center is way too high on a 10-game slate, in my opinion, to go uh, pay down for a guy who could honestly put up less than 10 points in this situation. I like Harden. Uh quite a bit in this matchup uh, and Kyrie Irving as well, 9,400. I, I don't have any issues playing them both in some GPP lineups. I know it's not optimal in the sense they can both really get there for you. They are taking all these shots pretty much on this Houston team. In my opinion, uh, those two definitely stand out on the other side of things. We've been tar- targeting Brooklyn all year long. I like going to uh, Victor Oladipo and John Wall on the other side of things. This game could definitely shoot out as well. So I like, um, I, John Wall is going to come in under-owned. He put up 46 fantasy points, playing 40 minutes. So it's clearly the minutes or limits is gone. Uh, it's not there. So if this game gets competitive, John Wall could put on a vintage performance and maybe he could whip out the John Wall dance for us, which we haven't seen in some time. Um, so we're seeing Victor Oladipo actually get a little bit of ownership on Fandle at 7,500. John Wall not picking up anything at 8,600, but a little more likely to get to him on DraftKings. The big guy getting ownership here, $4,200 Daniel House on FanDuel, projected for 26% ownership. If Daniel House is in, do you see him as a high-owned value play on today's slate? Man, so much of the field got burned by him that night. I think he was north of 35%. I was there with it. I, I don't like playing this guy, really. Uh, but it was a, it, the math worked out for him that day. Now, if this guy is going to have any significant ownership, and especially you're telling me this guy got his whole leg locked up, yeah. which is concerning. Uh, I, I'd be kind of avoiding the situation. One thing uh, I did not notice last time, David Nwaba did not play in the previous game. It kind of came out of left field. There was no, I must have missed the news, but I had some exposure to him. You didn't miss You didn't miss any news. It came out basically like as the game was starting, that he was on the bench and active, but not going to play. And now it's come out, he has a wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. 
this Houston team kind of might be undermanned kind of looking into it. It might be an interesting pivot off of this Toronto value. Guys like Sterling Brown might be in consideration. Yeah. So this might be a good way to consider as a complete pivots uh, in the situation. Uh, if House and uh, Gordon and uh, David Nwabara, I'm going to have some interest in Sterling Brown is just a pure pivot off of those Toronto guys. Cause that guy likes to chuck the ball and he can find a way to get there against this Brooklyn team, which isn't too hard to do. Yeah, if Gordon and House are out, we're talking about having to free up 60 more minutes, and they're pretty thin in terms of bodies to begin with. I think Mason Jones ends up being someone you could look at, 35, with flat minimum on both sites. Sterling Brown's probably going to play, you know, high 20s in minutes if both of those guys end up out. We dust off Ben McLemore again. Houston could look really, really different, dif- uh, different if we see Gordon and House being out. Any final thoughts on Houston and Brooklyn? Uh, I think Justin Patton might draw some weird ownership. Oh, that price is at 4K, maybe not. Maybe on FanDuel, people might go down to him. The guy played a lot of minutes last time. I'd be concerned. I think he might get played off the floor by Kyrie and Harden. Uh, and it might force them to go P.J. Tucker at center at times. I Maybe I'm reading into too much, but I wouldn't uh, go to Justin Patton. He kind of paid off for a lot of people last time out. I think it's a good time to hop off. There we go. Keeping it moving to... Charlotte at Minnesota. The Charlotte Hornets are favorites in Minnesota, one and a half point favorites. In fact, 229 total Uh, on the Hornets side. We've got Gordon Hayward questionable Cody Zeller questionable. I'm assuming Hayward plays at this point. It's a hand injury. It's not like they're going to put him on ice to rest a knee or something heading into the all-star break. So I have both of these guys projected in right now on DraftKings. No one's picking up any real ownership, but LaMelo, Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, all about 11% owned on FanDuel. I want to get to Charlotte against Minnesota because it's Minnesota. I don't see anybody as like a crazy value, but I'm still going straight back to LaMelo ball. I still want to get some Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward is Gordon Hayward. PJ Washington was a hero a couple nights ago and a zero uh, two nights after. What do you want to do with Charlotte? Yeah, there's a lot of news pending here. And if Gordon Hayward plays, I will have some interest. It's Minnesota, a matchup where everyone kind of eats, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Gordon Hayward is in. I'll have some interest. I hope he plays because he makes for a great, right now with the projected ownership, a great low-owned option with the real serious upside. And obviously, if he plays, it's going to hurt guys like Lamella, Ball, Rozier, Washington, all those other guys. And he immediately becomes my favorite Charlotte play if he plays. Now, if he's out... There is merit to going back to those guys, but these guys' prices have all gone up. Maybe LaMelo Ball is priced efficiently in the sense where he can still find a way in upside against this Minnesota matchup, a team that passed up on him on the draft, but he's in a great spot uh, just matchup alone. And we've seen the upside. He's gone 60 and 49 the last two times out on DK. Over there in Fandle, point guard is loaded. uh, And I still think he's an okay play. Uh, I think we can definitely consider him. On the other side of things, I love Carl Anthony Towns. I've been riding him since he's been back. And it's unfortunate. This Minnesota team just gets waxed constantly. And it seems like they don't want to lose that top three protected pick from Golden State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. They will be in the Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green sweepstakes, which is pretty good. They're both very good players, in my opinion. And it kind of makes sense for them to just hold a like, tank and try to get one of those two guys at this point, the way this season is gone. Yeah, so it is a first-round pick. Top three protected this year, fully unprotected next year, which whew, could be kind of wild. 
even if that, like, I mean, obviously Golden State's just saying fingers I'm, crossed. If I'm not fourth. mistaken, it might be Imani Bates next year, if I, who's uh, from the area I'm from. Um, he's a sensational player out of Ypsilanti, Michigan. But, and that means he could potentially play with Clay and Steph. Uh, that'd be kind of wild if they end up getting that pick. So just imagine if LaMelo Ball was playing for the Golden State Warriors right now. Yeah, they'd be, I would, I would say they'd be a top five team in the West for sure. Ah, not for sure. Uh, for sure, might be the top. He'd probably team. still be playing 16 minutes a game. That's the that's the real problem here. Yeah. I don't that's think he gets point. the same sort of run as he would in Charlotte. But anyway, I, I like Ball, Rozier, Hayward, Washington. I'm not a huge fan of anything from Charlotte on the DraftKings side. Then we get to Minnesota. This Minnesota team is just sad, really. I don't know how else to really explain it. Um, I like Towns, but. Center's pretty loaded today. Payup options are pretty loaded today. So I don't like him as like with any sort of high regularity, you know, 10 percenter at best. Maybe a little bit of Anthony Edwards, 6,400 on FanDuel, 6,900 on DraftKings. But they're playing like 11 dudes a game. Everybody's playing randomly minutes, 10 to 25. We see guys like Jake Lehman go from not in the rotation to playing 30 minutes in their last game. What are we doing here with uh, the T-Wolves? Yeah, where did Jake Lehman come from and play all those minutes? It's re- honestly, it's Carl Towns for me and really everyone else. I think you can consider Vanderbilt as a pay down option on power forward, but heck, I don't know what's going to happen with the minutes. So yeah. Ricky Rubio is someone who can get an upside, but the guy's not playing 30 minutes. If you were to play 30 minutes, I would definitely have some interest for him. But I love Cat on both sides, really. It's Cat and everyone else. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement. I just don't see myself having much exposure to Minnesota outside of Carl Anthony Towns and really not a ton to Charlotte, but rotating through those main four starters. I agree with you. Yeah, Keeping it moving once again, we're now on to a game that I do have quite a bit of interest in, at least on one side. The Chicago Bulls at the New Orleans Pelicans. The Bulls are five and a half point dogs in New Orleans. They are projecting no one north of 8% ownership on either FanDuel or DK. There are no cash game plays to be found on the Chicago Bulls, in my opinion. I'm not seeing anything at all. Uh, Laurie Markkinen still doubtful for this one. Rotation for Chicago has been pretty set in stone at this point. We do see Thad Young get a couple extra minutes now and again. Not really interested in where his price is. I don't have any interest in Chicago today. Ah. Uh. I don't, it's, I kind of agree with you on that boat. Uh, it's just that if you want to target a Zach Levine upside game in GBPs, sure. Guy's very, very scoring dependent. That's the only issue with him. So Chicago, uh, Kobe White hasn't shown an upside game in a while. I, I'm, I'm on your side. There's not much uh, interest for me on the Chicago side of things. The other side of things is it gets really interesting for me. Yeah. And I think we should go straight there. So New Orleans Pelicans, um, Zion, 8,900 on FanDuel, 9,100 now on DraftKings. I think it's a little bit more difficult to get to him on DK, but for having to have two power forwards on FanDuel, I think he looks like one of the better power forward options. I love getting to Brandon Ingram as well. 7,800 on FanDuel, 8,400 on DraftKings. That's a fantastic price for Ingram on FanDuel. was very highly ranked in my contenders videos today. Then I think you can get to different Pelicans on DraftKings, whether that's Lonzo or Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe's been playing like 34 minutes a game over their last four or five. They really locked down the rotation. They only went eight deep their last time out. Ingram, Ball, Williamson, Bledsoe, Hart, Adams, Hernan Gomez, and Redick. No one else saw the floor. So they're really starting to tighten it all up now. 
Talk to me about New Orleans. What do you see today? So, yeah, I mean, I love what Zion Williamson has been doing of late. I've been saying on the Slate Starter podcast, this guy's going to be a five-figure price tag player on both sides very, very soon. And I've been just riding the wave. I feel like models and projections have been trying to adjust to it, and they're kind of a step behind in the sense of his rates and whatnot of how well he's been performing of late. So I've been uh, kind of projecting him for a little bit more minutes than usual. And uh, when he's playing 37, 35, 34 minutes and shooting as efficiently as he does, one thing that was happening, he just wasn't getting many shots uh, yeah. earlier. Uh, and now he's getting more shot volume and more usage. And the guy's been putting up north of 45 fantasy points consistently over the last few games. I don't think it's a fluke whatsoever. And now it's in a great, great matchup, in my opinion. And I think we can definitely ride Zion. Definitely a, a player that I'm very interested in on both sides. 9-1 on DK. And I believe a great uh, on, I believe he's 8-9 on FanDuel. So when, and especially on FanDuel, where you have to roster two, I think makes for a fine option. Um, looking at the no house advantage uh, side of things, I saw Alonzo ball prop of 12 okay. and a half points. Let's see where I have him. You said Lonzo is at 12 and a half? Uh, 12 and a half. I have him at 16. Well, that's that's quite the difference. So line, line so, it up. Let's take the over there on Lonzo ball. Yeah, and check out our sponsors at No House Advantage. Yeah, definitely hit the, I mean, over 16, uh, over 12 and a half points definitely seems like a favorable a prop option to consider for Lonzo for sure. And I think there's a there's a way for two or three of these Pelicans to be good against Chicago. We've seen teams do really well against Chicago all year long, a team that I've been targeting uh, pretty consistently throughout the year. By the way, Alex has Lonzo at 15 and a half, so we're both in the same sort of range there. Get yourself some over on Lonzo ball props on the presenting sponsor of this show, No House Advantage. Maybe another sharp line on No House Advantage, a sharper line might be Zion 24 and a half and seven and a half rebounds. What what are you coming in at? I think it's kind of fair. I have 27 and a half for points. So I would be over on the Zion points. The rebounds are basically spot on. If I look Mm -hmm. at Alex's projections, he has 27.2 for Zion. So that's another spot where I think we would be looking towards the over if you're looking for some no-house advantage props. Yeah, definitely check them out. But yeah, like I said, I think there's merit for uh, you. I'm okay with playing a couple of these guys. I know Brandon Ingram is kind of uh, not shown out like he did last year. Obviously, the emergence of Zion is the reason why, but the minutes are great. The shot volume is great. And I think there's a way for him to get 50 fantasy points in this matchup. Now, I don't know how often he hits this in terms of multiple simulations. If you were to run this game 100 times, maybe he gets there, I don't know, 10% of the time, maybe just because of how good this Chicago matchup is. I'm saying that off the top of my head, you might have a more uh, data-driven answer than I do. But I I really like uh, both of those guys in Ingram and Zion today. So I have Brandon Ingram, let me see, getting to 51 fantasy points. That's just where I know that I have his target set for today, 13% of the time. So a uh, pretty good estimate off the top of your head, buddy. I try. All right. Uh, any further thoughts on Pell's Bulls? Um, no, it's Zion and Ingram, uh, really yep. the two guys who stand out for me. Maybe um, there's a guy who's shown out the last couple of games is Eric Bledsoe. And by showing out, the guy has not been putting up dud after dud after dud. He's kind of paid off his price tag in a way the last three times out. Uh, if he comes in low and taking some shots on FanDuel where you have to roster two shooting guards, I think makes for an interesting option for sure. 
Moving it along, four games to go. Atlanta Hawks at the Orlando Magic. Magic are four-point dogs, 224 total for this one. Uh, Cam Reddish, questionable. And then I don't know what's going to happen with Bogdanovich, whether or not he's going to sit on the back-to-back for rest. Because he's limited in minutes no matter what, it wouldn't shock me if he still just played and played 16 minutes. I don't think it's going to have a huge effect either way. The Cam Reddish news is news we've been waiting on for like two weeks. So let's start on the Atlanta side. No one picking up ownership for Atlanta. No one in double digits at all on FanDuel or DK. I would really only like to get to probably Trey Young or Clint Capella. I don't have much interest in anything else for Atlanta. Are you seeing something different than me? Yeah, uh, obviously some bodies are back now. A new coach. Now, did you see that they put uh, held Miami to only 80 points last night? In yeah, 2021 wasn't uh wasn't fun i had a little bit of miami so uh that was yeah. just a dumpster fire i looked at it, the score and i was like oh man miami must be smashing and then i realized how much time was left in the game and i was like oh man miami must be awful yeah it just was like what in the world happened i was pretty high on obviously the miami backcourt and some tyler hero as well bam Adebayo has been disappointed the last couple of games with no butler but uh that's they're not on the slate let's talk about atlanta uh trey young uh i think has an upside in his bag, but there's the point card is loaded. It just seems like some other safer options where I'm willing to spend down a little bit to guys like Kyrie or spend up to guys like if Luca were to go. I think definitely uh, spending up in the point card is just a loaded position. And Trey Young just has not been good. I just don't think he's not a great team player by any means. I think he is kind of overrated, all things put together, but he's an okay option. This Orlando defense really doesn't scare me. Low on option, I think there's an upside in him. Taking some chances on GVPs is fine. Uh, no one really else stands out to me out of the Atlanta side of things. John Collins, his minutes are, I'm going to be curious what McMillan does with this rotation more consistently of late. And especially when a new coach gets uh, implemented, they, it changes things up. They kind of ride with their guys that we don't know. Of. We don't get to see what these guys really do. So I want to give it a few games and see what ends up happening with this Atlanta rotation. And this, that's why the safest guy in Atlanta, honestly, might be Trey Young, in my opinion. Uh, we're on the same page. If I'm going to anybody, it's Trey Young. But I don't think I'm going to much of anything in this game. Vooch and Terrence Ross are around 10% owned on FanDuel. No, everybody else is pretty lowly owned. Uh, I don't see a ton of value here in Orlando. These guys are have all been priced up a bit now that they've had so many injuries. Do you like anything from Orlando? Do you like? Do you really like anything in this entire game? So on FanDuel, I think Carter Williams deserves a mention. The guy's played minutes. He put up 37 fantasy points last time out. And he has, he, last two times he's played Atlanta, he's gone 24 and 25. In a position where kind of has to be considered as a spend down option. Spending up for Vooch makes sense. The guy's been rock solid all year long. I think Vooch uh, spending up on both sides. I believe he's 10-3 on both. And his ownership is sub 10%. And we've seen Vooch uh, perform in tough matchups year lo- all year long. And I don't think, I would say Capella is an average matchup. Uh, I think he, there's an upside within Vooch where he can put, put up north of 55 fantasy points uh, in this matchup. So Vooch on Orlando. Uh, and I, th- I believe Fournier is questionable. Now, Fournier were to be ruled out. That kind of throws a wrench into things where guys like I think Terrence Ross could perform a little better. Maybe Bacon gets some extra minutes, but not, no one really else excites me in the secondary options, even if Fournier were to be ruled out. Yeah, Fournier 
and his health, I, I assume he's going to be fine. He got hurt in the last one, but he came back in and looked fine at the end of the game. So unless that thing uh, just blew up after the game, I'm just treating it like he's going to be in and I'm just treating this game like it's not really on the slate. <laughs> yeah. And I think there will be a guy that's good, but I don't know if a guy good enough to really break a 10 game slate, in my opinion, it's kind of tough to do. Any further thoughts on Orlando and Atlanta? No, let's hop on over to the next one. Before we do that, though, we do need to talk a little bit about our presenting sponsor. That would be No House Advantage. Uh, They're changing up the game in DFS because we're not really worried about fantasy points at all. This is a prop-based contest. They've got them for the NBA, baseball, which is coming soon, NFL, PGA. So we touched on a few of them before. Zion over under points props. Uh, Who else were we looking at? Um, Lonzo Ball points props. They will provide a list of props throughout the day. You are picking whether they're going to go over or under those props. And then you're ranking them uh, like in a confidence interval. So your favorite prop might be worth eight points. Second might be seven. Third might be sixth. And so on down to one. That's sort of where you're looking. You're looking to hit all of the props that you can hit. And lucky for you guys, we offer a ton of awesome know-house advantage tools at awesomeo.com for free. No cost to you. Optimal lineups, projections across the board. You can't ask for a better setup and it won't cost you a cent. Now, you should just sign up at awesomeo.com just because you love us. But if not, if you're trying to build your bankroll, I see no better way than to take the free content that we're offering for No House Advantage. Use the promo code AWESOMO when signing up at No House Advantage. You can get a first match deposit bonus of up to $20 and you're going to be set. This should be an easy way to slowly but surely build up your bankroll a bit. If you want to take some shots at other sites, I think that's a great idea. You could potentially see some overlay as well as they're still growing. All of those things are going to be a benefit to your bottom line. You beat your friends, not the house. Win big with player props today. Go check out No House Advantage uh, and download the app as well. We also have free content today, not just for No House Advantage. NBA player projections are free. PGA ownership projections are free. NHL ownership projections are free. God, we're giving it all out. It's so good. Why, why would you want to miss it? Play some NBA tonight with the projections. Check out the PGA ownership. Get locked and loaded for the Arnold Palmer tomorrow. And then play some NHL. Go listen to uh, Cliffy and Josh Harris and the man Jake Hari. Uh, tout out some good NHL stuff. Hop into our Slack. Great crew of hockey guys over there. Everything is coming up awesome right now. I just want to chime in about the sponsor and yeah. why you guys should all be playing on these smaller niche sites there's a big edge, especially with potential overlay. That's a huge edge alone. And for me, I really found a niche in terms of like figuring out these smaller sites over time. And more or less, they'll give you the opportunity to have more consistent weeks of profit, like being profitable over the long haul. And then you can start slowly transition to taking some bigger prize pools on other sites. A really good way to really build up your foundational DFS skills and have a routine and kind of more apparently give an opportunity to be profitable in the long haul. They Take advantage of those free tools. Those are all of Alex's tools put together. They're really going to give you a big edge from the start. So definitely take advantage of that. Perfect. Three more games to go, man. Oklahoma City at the Dallas Mavericks. we got to start here with the big piece of news. Luka Doncic is questionable. Uh, you know what? I should have made a joke and said the big piece of news is Willie Cauley-Stein is questionable, but eh, it's not that great of a joke. Luka is questionable. Have to assume that he is in for right now. 
uh, it, it changes the entire scope of Dallas if he is out, and we'll touch on that. But let's start on the Oklahoma City side first, where Shea's getting a little bit of love on FanDuel, about 13% owned, and then no one is getting any ownership here. But I actually like Oklahoma City a little bit more than the public, even more so than sort of just like generic contrarian. So $5,400 Baisley on FanDuel, no ownership. That would be a place where I'd be totally okay to get a little bit different. I love Lou Dort. He's 3900 on FanDuel today, 5100 on DraftKings. Like, you know, Dort's not a great per minute guy, like 0.7 basically, but at 3,900 at starter minutes, even in a Dallas matchup where you'd think he's probably going to be out there against Luca a lot if Luca sees the floor, I'm happy to go to Luca as a value option, try to get away from some of the heavy chalk, the DeAndre Bembrys of the world. What do you see from Oklahoma City today? Yeah, Lou Dort standing out at 3,900, a guy that I'm always very hesitant to have much exposure to, uh, over the field exposure to him on. Today might be a day to maybe potentially do that in a spot where we could spend down and pay up from some other stats on other positions that we've talked about. I think Dort makes her a great option on FanDuel for sure. A huge price difference off of DK. Uh, SGA deserves a mention, 8,200 against Dallas. Uh, I think the guy has a huge upside with him. By huge upside, I think he can get you north of 50 fantasy points in this particular matchup. Uh, someone, who, especially on FanDuel, I think can definitely come in play. Over there on DK, I just think OKC just seems more valuable on FanDuel than it does on DK, the way the cons, um, the roster construction works out. Uh, on DK, I'll have interest in Luca if you were to play. I have to read into some coaching notes. If it's a minutes limiter by any means, it's his back. I'm accept, expecting him to play right now the way things stand. Now, if he were to be out, it opens up a whole lot of things that we need to consider. Uh, on DK, I think other guys that you want to take some shots on, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, just hasn't been getting much minutes. Mm-hmm. If you were to crack 25 minutes, he just would have to be really efficient in his time, uh, especially in a three-point bonus site, I think can uh, definitely pay off. But in this game overall, I think Porzingis and uh, Dort on FanDuel stand out for me, and Porzingis on DK really stands out for me, even if uh, Luca were to play. I like going to Porzingis in this matchup. So I like Luca if he is in, no problems paying up for that price tag on either FanDuel or DraftKings. By the way, guys, hit that like button. 660 concurrent viewers, only 137 likes. I'm not doing my job if you guys don't continue to hit that like button. And I think I might have just lost my headphones. Hmm. Lost your headphones? Yeah, I can't hear you right now. Let me see what happened here. It says Mertz AirPods Pro. Are good, but that doesn't seem like it's actually true. So I'm just going to keep talking until I throw okay. it back over to you, and then uh, we'll be fine. If Luka Doncic happens to be out, I think Josh Richardson for 4,600 on FanDuel and 4,900 on DraftKings takes an immediate step forward. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. for 4,300 and 4,800 takes an immediate step forward. Kristaps Porzingis obviously is going to get looked at a little bit heavier just because he is actually a stud for this team. Do you see anybody else that you definitely want to get to? Is it Jalen Brunson? Does Trey Burke get the minutes? Where do you want to go if Luca happens to be out? If Luca were to be happen to be out, I think looking to Brunson and Trey Burke. Trey Burke especially deserves um, a shout because he's the mid on both sides, and that does yeah. a lot on a ten game slate where he could potentially pay off for you guys. Uh, and I think there's a path for him to uh, Carlisle to ride the hot hand with Trey Burke and go there. And I think that could be a great, great value option. And uh, we'll open up a ton of options uh, for other guys to spend up for. So Brunson and Burke definitely uh, deserve a 
consideration, especially on DK and FanDuel. Hardaway Jr., especially, I think he will get a shot volume uh, uh, quite a bit in Porzingis. Now, I think Richardson's kind of in play on FanDuel already. The way mm-hmm. just taking things are uh, the way things stand right now. A guy who can uh, really get there for you in, with peripherals, um, someone who I like rostering quite a bit. And this Dallas team is slowly putting things slowly and surely, but together. And I think uh, they've uh, been winning more consistently of late. So that's that's nice. And I think a team that was obviously started off real slow and now getting things all put together. Doncic is going to be key news on the slate. I think uh, at the way things stand right now, I want to say he's going to give it a go. So one last thing that I want to touch on for Dallas. Do you, does Willie Cauley-Stein's status really matter to you? Do you think that, like, Dwight Powell or is or James Johnson or Maxi, whoever. Do you think anybody's going to soak up enough minutes that if Willie Cauley Stein is out, they become relevant? Uh, if the slate were like maybe a three-game slate or four-game slate, they will become relevant. But it's a ten-game slate where it will be tough to consider anyone of relevance. Maybe Kleber gets a few extra minutes sprinkled onto him. Maybe he cracks the thirty-minute threshold. But if not, I think uh, I think they're going to probably go to some combination of Powell and Boban, but I think it'll be Powell first and then Boban if things get squirrely. But outside of that, I think it's just Powell. And I don't think he's in relevance uh, if, if Kalistan is out. Two to go. And they are the dueling late night hammers. And I'm not going to lie. I'm very happy that both of these games exist at 10 o'clock because the amount of Q tags in the Lakers and Kings game, pretty staggering right now. And we're going to need some options uh, to swap around but we're going to start with golden state at portland this game's a pick 'em, 235 total and on the golden state side curry is in double digits in ownership basically in the teens no one else is picking up any ownership but i will be happy to get to all of the guys that actually play curry draymond Ubre, wiggins those four guys i want to have like you know let's call it 10 ish percent on all of them if they're not picking up ownership you know maybe get to 15 and then I don't want a single thing from Golden State otherwise because every they just play all these dudes like 16 minutes. They just called up Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion uh, back to the active roster. Now that uh, guys on two-way contracts going to be able to play for the entire year and into the playoffs now. They changed that up uh, as of yesterday, I believe. Are you seeing anything from Golden State that's different uh, than what I just said? Uh, so obviously, uh, if you all remember, uh, Steph Curry in this same Portland matchup went for a career high explosion. I want to say it was 62 real life points and I want to say 75 DraftKings points. So this Dame's Curry matchup, historically, they just find a way to go back and forth at times. Uh, there was a games where Dame earlier in his career had just lit up Steph Curry. So I think getting to either one of those guys and especially suppressed ownership over there on DK makes a lot of sense um, to going to Curry and Dame. I think they both have a huge upside where they can break the slate. And on other guys to consider, Wiggins has been disappointing. The guy has kind of turned into an elite defender in Golden State, which is really impressive what uh, the organization has done with him at times. I want to say the defensive numbers work out for him. I, I could be mistaken. You probably have taken a much more deeper look there. But I, he, if he's going to be low-owned, I think we can take some chances there. Yeah. Not the most exciting play, no. but I think uh, definitely someone we can consider. Yeah, uh, so I have Wiggins about 6% to be in the optimal on FanDuel, around 8 on DK. Both of those numbers are like two or three times what the public ownership is. So mm-hmm. I mostly see him as another contrarian-type option. 
uh, you know, in a larger field GPP. Here's one question I want to ask you just straight up. And if it's different on both sides, feel free to change your answer. Uh, Curry versus Dame in this game. Do you have a preference just for the slate? Uh, for the slate, I do think we can do a lot with the savings off of Curry to Dame. Uh, I think the savings are pretty uh, important where we can go. I think you save only 200 on FanDuel. I think uh, that's maybe I can go to Dame there, but saving 700 on DK is quite a bit in my opinion. Okay. I uh, I actually would prefer to get to Dame. Although on DraftKings, I think it's basically a wash relative to salary. On FanDuel, um, where they're only $200 separated, I do prefer Dame. And I also prefer getting to a little bit of Enos Cantor on the Portland side. 6300 on FanDuel, 7500 on DraftKings. So not all that interesting on DK. Not a problem if you get there, but he's the legitimate value on FanDuel. I really like getting there. You know what you're getting out of Portland? It's the same rotation every day. Um, do you see anything else for Portland other than Dame and Cantor? Yeah, Dame and Cantor stand out for me on kind of both sides. Uh, Cantor was very good in the matchup in January. I think uh, the Golden State front court really doesn't concern me. I think that's something we can definitely consider, especially in Fando 6300. Uh, I really found it hard to, uh, looking at the San, uh, Fando center slate, most cons- option that I'm kind of considering the way things stand right now. And he can pay off that price tag pretty nicely. And if the guy stays out of foul trouble, I think we can definitely ride with Cantor. Now, I don't think Carmelo to put up a vintage performance again is going to happen, but no. the guy's going to come in at very, very low ownership on both sides, in my opinion. And if you think Covington is going to do what he did again, sure. Uh, but we saw the upside game from him. I think it's a good time to hop off of him. And no one really else uh, stands out. It's kind of Cantor, Lillard, and Curry, and maybe Wiggins, but... There, outside of that, I don't have much interest. Everyone seems to be a price too hot or priced really well. I agree. Any final thoughts on Portland and Golden State before we get to the most ridiculous game on the slate? No, I think Curry and Dame, hopefully they put on a show just for in terms of fans, fans' perspective to watch. The Los Angeles Lakers at the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers are three and a half point underdogs with no LeBron James, who was sitting out for rest today for the first time this season, and obviously no Anthony Davis. But it's not just that. Marc Gasol, questionable. Kyle Kuzma, questionable. Alex Caruso, questionable. And on the other side, Buddy Heald, questionable. So we'll start here. We've got Dennis Schroeder projected for 48% ownership on FanDuel, 43 on DraftKings. Taylor Horton Tucker and Markeith Morris are both in the 30s on DraftKings. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is likely to pick up a bunch of ownership if he can play. Montrez Harrell is 5,500 on DK. He's projected for 20% ownership. What do you like coming out of the Lakers? What stands out most to you? How do you feel about the ownership? Any cash game locks? I'm throwing it all to you because this Lakers team is wild with no LeBron. And uh, the matchup works out for them in amazing fashion as well. Now, I have this theory that they might have rested Kuzma on the front front end of the back of the back, thinking that they're going to need a lot of him today. I'm just speculating. I have no idea. Um, Maybe it was a predetermined rest back-to-back heading into the All-Star game. LeBron is the captain. All these things put together might be a reason why. Now, these are – I'm just speculating, but these are all reasons that I've – that have gone through my head and why this is happening. Now – if Kuzma were to be out, sign me up for THT, sign me up for Montrez Harrell, sign me up for Dennis Schroeder. And Marquise Morris definitely deserves a mention. But I think Harrell is going to be my favorite play on um, 
maybe potentially both sites, really. I think uh, he burned a lot of us last night. I was really high on him. I was thinking that he was going to do really well at that price tag. He did not. Um, I think I think there's there's merit for him to uh, play 30 minutes against the Sacramento front court. I, I like Harold quite a bit. And if Taylor Horton Tucker were to start, we're going to have to project him for around 30 minutes. And I think uh, he, as someone, kind of felt like a buzz name throughout this whole season. Obviously, playing for the Lakers, you're going to be a buzz name already. But I think he has a serious upside at that salary. Could uh, be someone where we try to differentiate ourselves off the Toronto value, and he could pay off uh, quite uh, pay off with some great upside, in my opinion. I think Harold and THT are my favorite, and then I think we can go to Dennis Schroeder for sure. I, all those guys, uh, they're going to soak up a ton of usage. Kind of rooting for Kuzma to be out, so I don't have to really consider him as an option. So Schroeder, I think, is going to be one of the first guys you're putting into a cash game today. 5,500 on FanDuel, 5,900 on DraftKings, chalk play. That one's just going to be easy. I'm totally with you on THT. He was my number one contender on DraftKings today. Showed up in the optimal lineup 39% of the time at $3,400. I have him in for 24 minutes, and I think that he could very easily play 30 today. Uh, I would be very surprised if he played less than 24. So I feel pretty good about those minutes. They're the best play on the slate on DraftKings today. There's just too much value between Tucker and Morris, KCP, even somebody that you can get to a little bit, might take a couple more shots with uh, those guys out. I'm just going to be unloading a full clip into the Lakers today. You just have to have all of it. I completely agree with you. And it gets really interesting on the other side of things. Now, if Buddy Hield, who was sensational last time out, uh, hit eight threes in the game, uh, did you know Buddy Hield is the fastest to get to three, uh, the most three-pointers made? in league history i didn't uh kind of makes some sense uh it's picked Mm -hmm. up basically coinciding with his career specifically so i get that like you know you would expect it to be steph but steph came around too early they just didn't shoot enough so true and yeah i was i was shocked by that he i took him only 350 games i think it took Steph 365 Hmm. Uh, and then followed by clay and dame i believe so uh i think i mean yeah really impressive a guy i think Deserves a new home. Uh, him and Luke Walton just clearly don't get along. And I think <laughs> if you were to play, I'll have interest for sure. Now, if he doesn't play, I think sign me up for Fox, sign me up for Holmes. And uh, Marvin Bagley, is he out of the doghouse? If he is, I'll be have a lot of interest in Marvin Bagley if he's out of the doghouse. Now, what they do with the Buddy Heald minutes, my guess is as good as, good as yours. It might go to Kojo. It might go to Kyle Guy. It might go to... Uh, Daquan Jeffries, I have no real confidence what they're going to do with those Buddy Heald minutes. Do you have any sort of confidence where to pinpoint those minutes if you were to be out? Um, I mean, Corey Joseph just immediately soaks up some of it. Uh, that's going to be really not all that fun <laughs> to, to deal yeah. with. If I'm just looking at the Sacramento rotation now, you know, obviously we have no Halliburton um Kyle Guy would get so Justin James would get a bit they don't really have anybody positionally at the two so I think Corey Joseph actually flat minimum on FanDuel 3400 on DraftKings if Buddy Heald that's is out Corey Joseph is going to become a pretty popular value play which is gross yeah which gross. is gross I, I think like going to get THT makes a lot more sense at that same price tag I and like I hope the field goes to Corey Joseph. I won't be have much interest on him, even if he were to play. Yeah, it's Fox and Holmes and then Bagley. I, I can't, I'm rooting for Bagley to get out of the uh, doghouse. Um, obviously, his game is he's really bad defensively, kind of a huge liability there. He has some offensive talent, in my opinion, but uh, 
there's a way for him to pay off that price tag if we were to go a late night hammer among the late night hammers, man. There's a ton of value in this game. I really like Sacramento. I think they're going wildly underowned. I have Fox, Barnes, and Holmes all in like the 13-ish percent to be in the optimal on DraftKings. They're owned at like two to five percent. So it, this is not the same Lakers team. I'll happily get to a couple multiples of oh, Sacramento. Yeah. Same for story sure, on FanDuel. Sure. I'd like to get a ton of Fox, a, a ton. Of, Harrison Barnes is 6% owned on FanDuel at 6,800. He's playing north of 36 minutes. I have him in the optimal lineup 19% of the time. That's three times as frequent as the, the public. I'm going to get a ton of Barnes, a ton of Buddy Heald if he plays. I'm loading up on Sacramento if they play the Lakers, and that makes me feel really good. I'm going to have a ton of exposure locked up into some of the Portland guys, clearly a lot of the Lakers, clearly now, as I'm mentioning it, a lot of Sacramento. So whatever news comes down the pike in that 9 to 10 range, I'll have so many outstanding combinations from these games that I should be able to move the deck chairs around enough if stuff really breaks in a weird way. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think late swapping for this game is going to be a key edge to being like falling from min cash to really putting yourself in a position to potentially come in that top 0.001% to take down something big. I, I Late swapping, obviously, every night is really important. But now with all things put together, having being overexposed to this game will give you so many, so, so much more options to really pay off. I do I think you bring up a very, very valid point for uh, those guys who don't late swap and maybe just need to pay attention to news throughout the whole night. Any final thoughts for this game or for the slate as a whole before we get out of here? 10 games up, 10 games down. No, I had a pleasure joining you. It's a massive slate. A ton of news is on the table for us. But honestly, Lakers, Raptors definitely seem like a great starting point. Even the Kings on the other side of things. Going to be a fun slate, fun 10-game slate. It's going to be very, very interesting to see where ownership gets concentrated. And check out all those shows. Uh, Check out my co-host making his deeper dive debut with Eric Lindquist tonight. So give him a shout out and uh, really had an awesome time joining you on the strategy show today, Josh. Happy to have you anytime. Come fill in for all these other, fill in for Laffy whenever you want. We can actually make this a good show for once. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Follow at Awesomeo NBA if you want to get all the news from the news god. Everything's going to be breaking tonight. It's going to be a hectic one. So you want to be around. We have tons of shows coming up for the rest of the day. Don't miss any of it. Thank you guys. Good luck tonight. And we'll see you again tomorrow morning for the final edition of the NBA Strategy Show before we get to the All-Star break. Later on, everybody. <laughs>